Welcome to another episode of Tales from the Tables with your host, Rob Bradley. Well, I certainly made that intro pretty epic, didn't I? No pressure on me whatsoever here to make sure this <laughs> podcast is incredibly <laughs> epic. <laughs> welcome to Tales of the Tables. Yeah, pretty awesome. But a big welcome actually to James, um, our professional dungeon master who's based in Cambridge, and JC, who is in LA or New York? New is York. It? New York now. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay, wow. Yeah, you definitely like to like spring about all over that. Hopping everywhere. That's right. <laughs> Joining right. you live from New York, JC and James. Hi, James. Hello. Hello. Yes, this uh I mean I've not had to get out anywhere near as early as you, JC, and I, <laughs> I feel like I'm as 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 tired as you are already. <laughs> what time is it now in, in New York? Five thirty AM. Nice. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right, That's baby. Too early. Wow. And there's me thinking my alarm going off at eight o'clock is like hell on earth. Hey, yeah. it's not the worst. Since this is Tales from the Table, the craziest schedule I've ever had to do was getting up at 1 to start running a game at 2 a.m. for some guys in Australia and China. That oh, was, yeah. That yeah, was fun that. twice in a I row. I remember that booking. Yeah, that's <laughs> that crazy. That was a good one. Yeah. That's yeah, crazy. Yeah. How, how did you do? How did you feel? Did you feel like you were... Amazing. They yeah. they were they were aware. I, I gave them. I let them know ahead of time. I was like, "Hey guys, just so you you understand why my voice sounds like I'm a, a you know a deep voice croaky black man at this hour." Um, they they had the lowdown, but they said I did great, so I'll take their word for it because they were really great. <laughs> oh, I'm about to run a game for for Australia as well, although admittedly not not through Roadhog. My brother lives over there. Um, and during lockdown, uh, they, their lockdowns were way stricter than, than even ours were. Um, nice. So he, he messaged me at one point and was like, hey, can you run a and d game for me, me and my friends? I've managed to get them all in into my apartment illegally. So <laughs> if we can... <laughs> Great. If we can just, just run it. Can you run on the TV for us? And you'd be on the TV and you'd just talk to us like something out of Star Trek? Like, yeah, yeah, sure. No, yeah, I can make Ooh, that work. Fun. Nice, yeah. nice. And when, when was that? Was that sort of the first lockdown or the second lockdown? Or? I think it was nearing nearing the end of the, the second ones. I think so. They, their lockdowns were like statewide ones. So I think they could go between houses. It's just they weren't allowed to cross state lines. They were, they were all farm workers at the time. Oh, um, wow. So they were in this like hostel in the middle of nowhere in Australia, oh. fight, fighting off real giant spiders. Yep. As yeah, I was as taking them through adventure, I'm, they were flying off. I'm terrified of Australia. That, that is like, <laughs> yeah. I would love to visit. It seems like a beautiful country, but where yeah. w- when people, even some of my players that are from there, and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, we deal with giant spiders in our households all the time. And I'm like, oh, well, are you in the, like, the back country? No, no, no. I'm in Sydney. I'm like, oh. <laughs> it's like, it's no, like when you arrive, you. At, you arrive at the passport gate and they're like, welcome to Jurassic Park. <laughs> and like, a gator bites you as you walk in. You're like, great, here we are. Yeah. No, well, thanks. I was there for a month and I, I, I never saw a single giant spider or horrifying deadly snake the entire time. And we went camping, so it wasn't like I was... You went camping in st- Australia? And you yeah, didn't yeah, see was, anything large and scary. That's, I know. I saw kangaroos, which are kind of large and scary because they're yes. they're a lot more violent than you think they are. Yeah, oh, and they're yeah. buff. Yeah, they're they buff, are man. So they're buff. Ripped. Yeah, they're jacked. They're jacked. <laughs> they're seriously jacked. 
That is yeah. intimidating, man. Yeah. Just I waiting see. for their workout plan to come out so I can yeah. so I can match <laughs> the kangaroo, it. The kangaroo diet and exercise. Just yeah, exactly. basically hopping about. Lots of burpees. It's just, just hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, the craziest story I've heard from Australian. This is the last word on the subject, I promise. And then we'll talk about D and D. I had a, f- a friend who had a sister who decided to volunteer down there at like I think it was a fruit growing farm for about six months. Um, she got three months through that volunteer service when she fell asleep on a couch after having gotten just a little bite from a spider that was, you know, hanging around on the fruit. And when she woke up about an hour later, um, her leg was green and swollen and she decided not to do anything about it for like the next 24 hours. And by the time she was like, oh, we should really get to a hospital. It was already like various different shades of purple and green and blue. And apparently they were, I think, something like an hour away from having to uh, lose the leg. It was like a gangrene situation. They were ready to sever it. She almost became a one-legged person at the age of like 23 or something crazy like that. 23. Something. something. What a horrific thing to happen to you. I mean, that's just... Yeah, they, imagine going to Australia and losing a leg to something that wasn't a shark, though. I know, right? To a yeah, spider. Right. That's your standard. That's, that's, that's the standard leg losing in Australia story. Surely, is yeah. shark yeah. bite. Shark bite. Sure. Shark. <sighs> or um, you know, uh, what is it? The Pacific blue ring octopus bite. Oh god, yeah. Then like, there's that picture of that someone just holding one in their hands. Like, if, <laughs> if that got you, oh, man, nothing saving you. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Do you know what would be pretty cool if we could, if we, if someone, well, maybe we could do it. In fact, created like a monster manual of actual real life creatures that exist yeah. in yeah. the world. Yeah, but yeah. like with, gave with them stats. Exactly, but with good stats, right? Yeah. Not this silly like eleven AC for a rhino stat or whatever it is. Yeah, in the, right. In yeah. the MM, like that. That thing's yeah. built like a tank. You can't bring that down. <laughs> that should have like an eighteen AC easily. Yeah, That's exactly. Play like, armored. 100 percent yeah yeah i mean you could definitely probably kill a rhino with an arrow i'm sure like it's like if you fired it hard enough it would definitely be managed to penetrate its skin for sure sure sure. but it all depends on when you roll on your die right oh right yeah of course yeah you you see it now can you always always uh all these poachers running around africa rolling dice <laughs> oh, yes. ah, oh, not twenty. Not twenty. Oh, not twenty. Oh, yeah. No, you're, supposed to, you're supposed to go down. You're supposed to go down. <laughs> the rhino hey, just hey. looks at them. Yeah. Right. Amazing. Yeah. 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 So, um, so have you guys been running games this week? Um, tonight I have I have a final tonight. The final. Ooh. Yes. Keys yes. From the Golden the... Gates. Golden. Is that right? No. 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 Um. Uh. It. I am doing keys from the Golden Vault at the at the moment, uh, but this week was postponed. Um, so the finale for that is next Monday. Um, oh, but now I've got the finale for um, the Spelljammer uh, adventure, and we've sort of already done the end of the book. We're now just sort of bookending the end. Oh, it was you're very dramatic. Actually, running like from what is it, Zarasix? Yes. Oh, see, now I'm going to have to be. Pulled up on pronunciation on this. Oh, I, oh <laughs> light, light of, what do you call it? Light of Zaraxis, I think. Zaris. Zaraxis. I'm sure it's Zaraxis, isn't it? Zaraxis space. And I have to keep saying the word Zaraxis. villain from Galaxy Quest? It does sound a lot like. Or like the Doctor Who 
an analog villain from Community, yeah. uh, Thoraxis. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Owl before Thoraxis. That's right. That's right. I forgot. Such a good episode. <laughs> awesome. And how, how, how is it playing D&D in space? Uh, it's very it's very different, but there's so much that's the same. And essentially, if you go to different planets and, and stuff, they're back to being mostly fantasy. It's what it, what it's really like is you know the animated um, Treasure Planet movie yeah. that they did. Mm, yeah, that's so great. Good. It's that. It's it's basically like that's the sort of the vibe. The Flash Gordon, Flash Gordon, but more fantasy, less that's lasers. That's all right. you needed to say. I'm ready to buy a ticket, even mm. though it's mm. the last session. Like, that's <laughs> all you need to tell me. It's oh, it's Treasure Planet. I'm there. Yeah. I'm, I'm playing that game. <laughs> so so is so is with so with it. Where does Spelljammer kind of sit in terms of like the actual timeline of D and D? Is it is it part of the Forgotten Realms? Is it is it like um, the is it basically if you're in Eberron, it's what they're doing in space, or is it you're in the Forgotten Realms and it's what they're doing in space? Like where does it sit? They've in the book anyway. They've um, sort of made it so it can sit anywhere you like. So essentially, right. the adventure starts with um, these meteors hitting. Um, Wherever, wherever your players are. So if you want to fit it into like an ongoing story already, meteors hit and essentially there are these giant seeds and vines spring out of the, the ground, um, like twig blights start attacking everyone. Um, and you have to try and your players escape um, as it seems like it will kill them. And so they escape up into space, encounter some astral elves who it turns out are trying to drain whatever planet Euron's life force to power their star and then you're just in space from there so it can pretty much fit in anywhere um, and as long as you stop the horrible vines from destroying your planet from the inside out then I suppose it could fit timeline wise anywhere you'd want it to okay great that's very I feel like I've seen that plot before um, but it's interesting that they decided to go with that it's very like druidic fell or like evil magic mixing with space adventure at the same time because it's mm. vines and trees coming the in other mm. words the last thing i'd expect a space or a spell jammer adventure kicking off with is twig lights yes so i think yeah that's really <laughs> interesting i think they're supposed to look crystalline and futuristic uh, yeah, but, um, yeah, but, yeah. but they're essentially yeah they're, they're vines and trees that one trait that's like they can breathe in a vacuum they are now mm -hmm. spell jamming twig <laughs> yeah that's that's pretty much it can i can i breathe in space yes okay it's a spell jamming monster now um <laughs> exactly it's perfect so in terms of like how it looks aesthetically spell jammer it, it, it definitely reminds me of flash gordon that type of that type of spacey fantasy kind of world because I've always thought that like Flash Gordon seems it's very different to like Star Wars it's very different to all those other kind of space genres um, certainly from a technological standpoint it seems like there's magic involved in Flash Gordon mm, rather than actually yeah. do you know what I mean rather than science and is it gone and the technology route? yeah hmm. well, so do, do you did you find that is it do the stories kind of feel a bit like Flash Gordony to you James. They do feel a bit Flash gordon -y and they're set up in a way where they are done like episodes. So it's they're, I think they're split out into like episodes of, uh, of a series with like a little intro and extra um, ah. bits of uh, of information, um, like a sixties TV show. Yeah, yeah, essentially, um, which is which is really great, um, and it, like gives a good sort of spaces to break up. Some are a lot shorter than the others, so. If you're running a, running the game uh, as a DM and you're you're trying to hit four out sessions, 
you might have to pad some stuff out, which is which is cool because mm-hmm. it means I I get to take all the stuff I've seen um, in Star Trek and be like, oh, that would make a cool little like couple of hour one shot puzzle. So I had my players on a on an asteroid and being infected with uh, like space mushrooms, uh, which sent some of them mad and caused hallucinations and all sorts of stuff. To, Great, that's cool. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was. It's, it's a fun, and it does. <laughs> so it gives you. It gives you space to because there's these long yeah. periods of space voyaging journey, um, to sort of fill with stuff that happens. So whatever you encounter on the way, so there is that. And I know some people will say, well, surely they should be providing things to happen more. And there is some stuff in the in the book, um, and some people will want a little bit more. But I was perfectly happy to you know make it make my own stuff. I like most of like when I started doing D and D, it was all homebrew, so yeah. I'm used to yeah. doing that. Right yeah. Have you ever played Spelljammer, JC? Yes, a little bit. Um, not the official adventure of it um, or the previous editions of it, but even before... So actually, here's the funny thing. Even before Spelljammer, the current 5e set of apparently lack of rules came out, I was running um, a campaign for three different groups that ends up in space at the very end. And actually, I'm on the cusp with one of my groups right now um, to go back into wild space. So, and I, I looked up all this stuff about the phlogiston and how that works and just a crazy amount of like old lore and how complicated and self-referential and conflicting it all is <laughs> but i i had all i like i threw everything at them in the span of about eight sessions i was like all right this is the slice of spell jammer life you've all been wanting here is a gith yankee ship attack like gith yankee pirates marauding on either sides of your boat here is an astral dreadnought chase here is you finding a dead god floating around in the astral plane here is to narath because a big part of it was them going to the city of the Gith Yankee and, and um, sort of trying to recruit them into the war effort against the mind flayers that were invading Faerun and stuff like that. So sick. Yeah, it was, um, yeah. Yeah. I loved it. That's it's cool. a lot of fun. It's very mm. random. And I made up a lot of my own nautiloid rules because they were piloting mm. a nautiloid that mm. they had sort of recovered from, from the surface of their planet. And when the book came out, of course, I bought it right away and immediately went to go check the ship stats. And I was like, I did it better. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I you heard it here first. Both, <laughs> I do remember you both actually quite like nautiloids, don't you? The ships. Yeah. I think you both have a bit. Don't you have a model, James? Low-key obsessed. Uh, well, I, I do. I, I do have a, um, a bit of a model. Um, a, Just a rather a expensive model that I've built. <laughs> partially um because the sheer complexity of it is too much for me it's it's defeated me i built the two so essentially it is like a full-size three foot long nautiloid model um, and i've managed to build the internal floors for two of the floors and i'm pretty sure there's four floors um amazing I've looked so many times. I feel like there's a piece missing. I ordered the thing like two years ago, and the shop has since shut down. That I ordered it from, so there's no way that oh. I can. <laughs> there's no way that I can go back and like fix this problem. What I should have done is, you know, bought it and then immediately made time to build it. Mm-hmm. But I was moving house and stuff at the time, so that was difficult. Um, yeah. So what I've done is for Rolduck Best, I, I built the floors, painted them all up and was like, well, I can use these two floors and they've got like the gross 
elder brain tubes and um like tadpole pool that um they're all in there so yeah I, you're, I, still, you're I still love about, it you're talking about this stuff and it's like a love language to me you're like i'm like <laughs> tell tell me more about those gross elder brain tubes i'm, I'm so into it <laughs> yes yes james oh Who is it pray pilots it so is, wet. It, is it is it mind flares that pilot the uh the ship yeah yeah is it a crew of mind flares is it like a how's it sort of structured uh, yeah, so are you? Well, I've, I've mine anyway. There's usually a crew of about six, six mind flares and an elder brain. Um, and if I'm feeling very fancy, uh, occasionally there'll be an elder brain dragon uh, floating around it as well. <laughs> I literally because... did this with the kids because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cruel. Um, and I think it's funny when their brains are eaten. Um... <laughs> oh, We're DMs, all right. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um so I, I think that that answer is up to the DM, right? Um with with spell jamming official rules, technically as long as you have someone that can attune to the spell jamming helm, anybody can pilot it. I made mine a little bit more complicated. I sort of described them as tendrils that hang from the ceiling that you have to allow them to sort of worm their way through the pores of your temples on your skin and on the sides of your head and allow them to sort of interface with the Gross. memories of the of the semi-organic semi-living ship and then from there you know you roll an intelligence save and if you're, you're good then yes you can pilot and if you're bad then you're overwhelmed and you're out for oh, an hour wow. and, the, and the tendrils in your brain so it's too late yeah, exactly. It's don't you're already liquefied. Um, but but yeah, no no normally it's it's mind flares. The the cool bit about the lore is that they sort of lost the technology to build nautiloids. They have lost the secrets. So oh, wow, great. Yeah. Um the the reason I'll 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 open up with this. Why, why don't we get into it? Um, but the very first campaign I ever ran through Roldark called the Ashen Throne. That was actually sort of the colloquial name of that Nautiloid. That was, that's what it was called, the Ashen Throne, and yes. it was inspired by what was back then the teaser trailer for the video, the upcoming video game Baldur's Gate Three which showed, um, I think this it was a one-minute-long trailer or so, this flaming fist captain in Baldur's Gate sort of succumbing and undergoing thermorphosis, turning into a mind flare, right, mm. rather rapidly. And then you see the skies darken above the city, and all these mind flares are invading, and you can see a huge nautiloid in the background, right? So that was three years ago, and I said, you know what, I'm going to write... I, I was so inspired by how how did we get here because the mind flayers typically live underground and they've lost the technology and any access to their ships so they only come out every now and then or you stumble into them in the underdark why would they be so bold as to strike a city a very populated city with magical defenses and wizards and whatnot so i was so inspired to write it and i said by the time my party starts encountering mind flares in the larger plot, the video game will be out. So I'll be able to fill in all the details, right? I'll sort of <laughs> label it as a prequel to Baldur's Gate 3. As we mm -hmm. now all know, that was three years ago and the game is still <laughs> not out. <laughs> so, yeah, it's coming out in August. Uh, Loki, we're sponsored so they, by. So they, <laughs> say, yeah. so they really. say it's coming out in August. Yeah, that's what they say, mm. exactly. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah, so that's that's how it all began. Love that stuff. 
Great, great, great. And and the Ashen Frame was your first campaign, right? That's the right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was me. followed by Eventide War, which was the Feywild campaign right after that. Do you know how many campaigns you've had so far of us? Through Roldark? Uh, I could probably pull up the sheet and count, but I'm tempted to say it's somewhere in the vein of 30. Um, 30. 30. Wow. And, but that includes shorter campaigns and a couple of one-shots. But these are all like the custom adventures I've run through Roldark. Wow. So it's about 30. Yeah. You know, you know, during the pandemic, I was pretty amazed at, at your tenacity, JC, at how you were running five games a week. If not more, actually, because you were running more. some of your own, I was doing, of your yeah, own games. I was doing seven. I was doing an easy seven, six of them through Rural Dark plus a home game. And then we started adding monthlies. But then after pandemic, that sort of Yeah, that's, yeah. that is God, My absolutely... voice would have been shot. Like, even after some, some of the games that I've run, just the day after, my voice is wrecked because I've done like a particularly deep or like throaty voice. And then yeah. I've woken up yeah, the next day I, like... Ugh. I learned and early on not to do too anymore. much time in hell or or the abyss because I wanted to do everything sounding like this. And then five minutes later, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "Yeah, well, that's great for a flump, though." Yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yes, nailed it, dude. That's mm. it. I'm running a flump game. Just Canada. alternate between <laughs> horrible demon lord flumps, flumps, <laughs> but which is which? Yeah, right. <laughs> Well, that's yeah. great, yeah. Just have all the flumps be the deepest be voice the you've ever lords. heard and all the They're demon lords just like, <laughs> hello! Yeah, oh, brilliant. Brilliant. So um, so how many years have you been with us in JC? It's about three or four? Uh, I joined in January 2020. So yeah, wow. a little over... Th- Jesus, 21, 22. Yeah, a little over three years now. Well, oh, same, actually. Actually, yeah. Wow. Yeah, so, wow. Yeah, it was the same for me. Managed to get some in-person games in just before the pandemic yeah, pandemic yeah, went down. Cool. And then, um, yeah, very quickly had to learn how Roll20 worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah. You're not still on Roll20. Uh, other are options are available. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Face is going to show up and uh, cancel us. Are, are the DMs who are big fans of Foundry? Yes, Foundry's great too. <laughs> um, I'm playing on Foundry. One, one, it's, it's, it's like Pringles, right? Once you stop, or once you pop, you can't stop with the Foundry. Mm. It's, um, it's really, really good. We'll, we'll get you, James. Don't worry. We'll, I bought it. I own, I own the software. I find it really hard to do what I want with it easily. I think it's just because I, I don't want any of the, other than the spell effects, I don't really want any of the mods. And I find I building characters in it can be difficult because what I like to do is get my car- my players to go through D and D Beyond because I've got the top tier subscription, so I can see all their character sheets. They can access all the books that I've bought, um, so they can read those once they're mm-hmm. in a campaign with me, and then build their characters based on that. And then I can just essentially for Roll Twenty just make a token with hit points and just put it in there, let them control it, they move it around, do everything on the d- and they there's a there's a plugin. Called yep. Beyond Twenty, Beyond Twenty, mm-hmm. where everything just carries over from their D and D Beyond character sheet, and they can roll then into oh, Roll Twenty. Yeah, yeah. Works so so, I don't, it really so it's just it's just very simple. So yeah, you just need yeah. two tabs open for yeah. the players, and, and even even if you're not building characters on D and D Beyond, I know what you mean about Roll Twenty having a built-in five E character builder. So depending on yeah. what kind of content you buy for it, um, you can unlock that stuff but world 20 is like sort of officially licensed with wizards of the coast so they get access to the books and they have a dedicated team mm. whereas foundry mm. has a smaller dedicated team for it but nothing to do officially licensing with 5e so that's all 
sort of module user generated content that people just really yeah. submit. Yeah. That uh, being said, there are ways. There are, there are many ways, James. It can be done. <laughs> I think if you if you understand Foundry really really well and you're good at that sort of thing and you can navigate the menus and you learn all that it's infinitely better hmm. but hmm. <laughs> there's a big but getting your head around it takes a lot of time i feel and then if something yeah. goes wrong yeah i have to troubleshoot i i don't have time to watch a two-hour youtube video walking me through yeah. how to get um a mind, a mind flayer archivist stat block to work properly because uh, it's not in one of the official books or whatever. Um, mm. That's probably a poor example because well, that monster I, is. Before but, this like, turns into a foundry podcast, which it won't, <laughs> um, I'll just say we, we we should hang out. We should uh, mm. we should hang out, man. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll I'll swing you to the other side. I'll show you the. the well, face has tried. Um, Chris has tried. So we'll JC. You can yeah, try, and then eventually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think as well. I think as well, James. You probably used Roll Twenty. Did you ro- use Roll Twenty before you started working professionally as a dungeon master? Uh, no, no. I learned Roll Twenty super quick, but I think it was a necessity because yeah. I had like mm-hmm. a yeah. game, and then not long after that, a couple more games started. And yeah. uh, when everyone went into lockdown, so I was like, right. Well, I'd, so I just used that. I've used it for like three years now. So I suppose at this point, yeah. it's like second nature. And they've added new stuff, and it's yeah. it's quite cool. Yeah, they've, they've like the dynamic lighting and stuff is yeah, is all new. Foundry, but I've had a lot of players oh, as well who said that <laughs> Foundry Foundry could be a bit intense for their computers. So Roll Twenty right. is better for them because we run Foundry and you run all these incredible modules, and then you can just hear in the background as the, as the, as the laptop fan like kicks in yep. something stupid. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I think with Roll Twenty, certainly from my experience with it, it was um, you could enter into the game quite lightly and start using it quite lightly in a way that you just have a map. There's the tokens, the players control the tokens, they move around the map, and that's it. Like the whole thing with like the walls and things, making sure they can't look through walls or they're like you know they're um, yeah, that's all their line of sight and stuff. stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's it, that, that was a bit more technical for me. Yeah. So I only whenever I've used Roll Twenty, I've only literally just been like, "Here's your map. Here's your guys. Move around. That's yeah. it." Well, yeah, and if I if I can jump in, no matter what VTT you're running, I've seen both ends of the spectrum. I've seen people use it basically as a whiteboard, so they just slap a grid and a, almost mm. a blank page and draw boxes to indicate rooms and hallways. Or I've seen people shell out for the beautiful video 4K animated maps with animated tokens with different token states. Like if you go prone, they have a different video file for that and stuff like that so that it runs all of that at once, either in, either on Roll20 or Foundry, right? And it's it's amazing what you can do online with D&D it's, and, and any other TTRPG. It's really, really cool what you can do these days. But at the end of the day, uh, I think, Rob, this might have actually been you, something you said. Um, whatever you're doing will always pale in comparison to the imagination of the players. And mm. sometimes a whiteboard is all you need. You know, let, let them go crazy with that. Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 about what you give to them in the terms of their experience. It's like after after every D and D game, whenever I've played or I've or I've DM'd, I always feel like what I remember from the next day 
is the memory of being the character or playing the characters. And that's what I remember from it, rather than actually sitting down and actually playing the game with the individuals. Of course, there's moments there too that are great, but that buy-in, that immersion of that experience and that memory is what really I think is what has the weight behind D&D and why it's so incredibly popular with people and why people keep coming back to it and playing every week as we as we know in our community. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like as as I I make all, all my own maps, but like I don't care if my players are like, wow, oh, there was a really nice map last night. I don't expect that. What you expect is, oh, we were in this horrible fiery dungeon. Uh, mm. That was terrifying. And I almost got melted by lava. You want that? Not, yeah, look pretty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, right, exactly. Totally. Exactly. At the end of the day, they're just they're just tools to aid that that theatre in a way, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I think I think it's also really easy to get caught up as a GM in your own sort of world, especially if you're running games so frequently, like you and I do, James and, and Rob, mm-hmm. you do plenty as well. And it's sometimes you you get caught up in the story that you want to craft with your players and even though you're you know you're trying to build this with your players i think it is really healthy to play in a game because you sort of keep perspective that way you remember what's fun from the player's perspective they mm. want to feel epic and and well i mean everybody is different but the large majority of the time you remember a session when your character did something fun or did something cool or when mm-hmm. something cool happened to your character. Not that, you know, there was this awesome political story with seven different factions all betraying each other at once. Yeah, that's interesting background stuff, but the memory of that will be fleeting. What sticks with you is that one time when I was playing 4E 10 years ago and I threw myself off of a, a ledge and knocked two gargoyles down. Like, I don't remember what the campaign was really about, but that moment really stuck with. So I, I find it that it's really, really important and healthy to stay in a game, play play every now and then. You don't have to be weekly or, or whatever, but once a month or something like that, jump into a, a game or have a character you care about and remember what is fun from that perspective. Yeah, It's nice. surprising, actually, the amount of memories you just brought up just by saying, oh, yeah, I jumped off a ledge attacking some gargoyles. So many memories involve jumping off things yep. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to do well, I, want to, I want to grapple him and i want to push him over the ledge yep. and we'll do that and i've but like yeah i did so many players have done that i think that's like a key part of dnd that is very overlooked <laughs> what do you want to do i want to i want to push them off something real high it's like being in a video game and just going up to the tallest point and jumping off just so yeah, just right. to do it <laughs> yeah i've been playing a lot of tears of the kingdom so that's all that that game is about it's just looking yep. for fire advantage to drop down on them yeah brilliant brilliant so great i think that kind of leads me into a really good question actually for both of you so with your time at Rolduck, what sort of key moment has really sort of stood out for you from your player's perspective like when you've been running a game for one of your players has there been like a really epic moment that really stands out that is like, oh, wow, that was like something else. That was either pure creativity. It was, you know, pure emotion that you felt. There was something there that was just like, you know what, this is this is why I play this game. This is, this is why this game is so incredible. And, you know, this is why I keep coming back to it and why, you know, I've decided to be a professional as I am. Yeah. Okay. So one that, one that stands out for me. Um, was coming to the end. So the very first game I had with with Rolldark, I had um, had this group um, from from like I met in person actually initially, 
and then obviously we transitioned to, to online games through the pandemic. All through the pandemic, all, all two two and a bit years of it, then uh, they had the these characters, most most of which survived. We had one or two die, uh, we had one die and then be resurrected a little bit down the line. So they, one of my players um, played a different character for a bit, then came back to original one. So yes, it was essentially this this giant um, sort of Lovecraftian horror thing, Cthulhu invading, huge war at the end. Ooh. Um, and I had the, my players all, all at level 20 at this point. We've been playing so long. Um, and they were given the choice at the end of the game. Well, going forward, we're going to, we're going to reboot. We're going to reboot you with new characters. So, would you like to? So, at the end of this fight, if you survive, Ooh. there's a potential for ascending to to godhood. Or, um, there was. But one of my players, as we're nearing the end of the fight, was like, they were all like so low hit point wise, like ones, twos, and then I think there was one who was hiding way in the back who was on full hit points, but. <laughs> <laughs> as there always Rogues. is yep <laughs> uh, but yes so um, they landed a crit and I said okay um, if you you can kill this now but it will this, it will absolutely destroy your character soul so you can't ascend and but you will have you'll have won you'll have sacrificed yourself to win and they didn't think about it for more than two seconds I think before they were like do it <laughs> roll roll the, roll the crit let's see if i can do enough damage to to kill it and yeah they did that's how the the campaign and our paladin oh, just sick. leapt um off this tower into cthulhu's head um essentially wow. as you do stabbed it see jumping it, off of stuff this yeah this jumping off of stuff again <laughs> cool memory um yeah, yeah killed it obliterated it. and then that's now now just in in game a, a great story, a great story, um, but also one that has had impacts on on future games. I tried to set my games all in the same world, so with then with their next lot of characters, some of them followed their old characters as gods, and they see statues to this character who sacrificed awesome. himself. I, l- I um, love great, that. great. It's uh, yeah, well, it's yeah, it's good, it's good, it's good fun times. Nice. Yeah, uh, right. I think. Players sacrificing themselves in the final sessions of campaigns is, is something that's quite fun and people do like to do. But yeah. well, once they know, okay, I'm going to be stepping away from this character for a bit. Do are we going to come back to them or can I send them off in like the most epic way possible? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of the time they're going to be like, yeah, most epic way possible. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a story, right? That's yeah. what you're building, exactly. and you know, you need to give you need to give your character that. Um, I guess that kind of, uh, that honor really, you know, for a, for a fantastic ending to their story, to the arc of their character's story, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Brilliant. And what did you, um, so you, you still playing with these, with these players now, James? Yes. Yeah. 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 Still going. Uh, they're the ones who I have just finished a spell jamming, uh, campaign and I don't want to spoil the end of that module. Um, but someone sacrificed himself in the end of that as well. Uh, it's a habit with the group. <laughs> um, yeah, to start. Well, they, yeah, they blew up a star. So they blew up a star. as you do. Mm. Wow, your campaigns sound like they have very epic endings. You know, great old ones coming out that you have paladins leaping onto the heads of, and yeah. exploding stars. And well, I'm what I'm running Strahd monthly at the um, at the moment as well. So I'm just working out how I can how I can make that ending. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, well, uh, we, again, we should talk. Mm. <laughs> I've run with, straw um, to completion three times now. Is that with Luke's group? Yes, yes, it is. Yeah. Oh, great. How's it going with those guys? Excellent. They're hilarious. So, um, yeah, I'm having yeah. a great time with them. <laughs> his, his emails to me are always so, so funny. They'll literally be like, like maybe three or two, two or three words. It'll be like, James Burroughs, this is the date. Can we have him, please? Oh, and uh, preferably without his t shirt on. right okay cool (laughs) all you listeners at home you're currently being deprived by how handsome james burroughs is (laughs) yes it's uh it's a i must admit when i when i first came onto the uh the podcast and we saw the video and james's face was there i was just like oh god it's like looking into a supernova (laughs) (laughs) it exploded um oh no that was me sorry (laughs) oh it's far too it's far too hot to sit in this fake leather chair and not have a top on and just be stuck to I'd never get out it's summer (laughs) yeah fair enough so JC how about yourself so I here's the thing with that that's such a good question because I feel like it happens every session or of course there are standout moments but honestly um, I have a litany of so many beautiful player choice moments that I really, I've often said, like, I need to write a book, like, just filled with tales from the table, you know. <laughs> um, it's it's truly amazing. Some of the standout ones. Um, here's here's a really short one. The day the barbarian and his and the, and the rest of the party entered a sort of they were in a they were crawling up a wizard's tower, and it was kind of like a a fun room each mm. level, right? So something horrible and and ridiculous every different room um some you know sometimes there was a puzzle involved but one of them they walked into a room full of treasure chests right wow um and obviously one of them is going to be a mimic and on the map that i was using there was one treasure chest that was a slightly different color so naturally they assumed ah that's the mimic but the twist on that was all of the treasure chests in the room were a mimic and the one in the, the the colored one was just a different kind of mimic. Right. So he he had this wicked idea to uh, when I, when I was describing that you know he was attacking the mimic and his weapon stuck to it because of the adhesive trait. He said he thought about it for a minute. You could see the gears turning in the brain while it wasn't his turn, and then he was like, "Hey, JC." Uh, because he does sound or his character sounded a lot like Grog. Uh, he was like, "Hey." Um, you know, I've I've got my greatsword, and there's a mimic hanging from it. Um, would would you say that a mimic could be submitted to its own adhesive trait by another mimic? Could I just start swinging the mimic around and grab all the different mimics with it? And I was like... (laughs) Yeah, fuck it. Why not? Let's do this. <laughs> so he started this sort of chain domino reaction where he was swinging his weapon in a wide 360 degree arc and mimics Brilliant. were progressively getting stuck to it. So just random moments like that you have a thousand of. But the story I really like to tell, uh, same campaign actually, is the Alma story. Um, and I'll, I'll try and make this as relatively brief, but, um, what you need to know is, uh, this was a Fey wild campaign and, uh, one of my own making and basically not wild beyond the witch light. They stole many ideas from me. I'll be suing wizards of the coast. <laughs> <laughs> Damn them. 
So I came out with it years before. So they um, basically they were in an area controlled by some hags and there's a swamp. There's a coven of hags there. And one of those hags um, had had a child. And if you know anything about how hags and reproduce in 5e lore, it's very, very dark and twisted. Basically, oh, they, they, have to eat a, they have to eat a child, and then they themselves give birth to what looks like a human child, which um, for up to the 13th year of their life is just a human or a humanoid, right? You can have fun with whatever race it is. Um, and then on their 13th birthday, they will transform into a fully fledged hag. Right. And wow. just it, that's it. Right. It's, it's pretty intense. I'm sure there's more official lore on it, but um, so basically when my party entered this hag hovel, they found a 12 year old girl that they thought was being oppressed, which was, they were treating it like garbage, right? If she was a servant girl, she was the sort of Cinderella sweeping and, and cleaning up after them and being mistreated and sleeping in a cage and stuff like that. And I decided to name her kind of on the spur of the moment, um, Alma, which means soul in Spanish. And I had originally intended this to be sort of a dirty little trick and surprise, right? Like surprise, she, she turns 13 after you've rescued her and you're trying to get her back to her village and she turns into a hag and guess what? The combat's not over yet, but it evolved into probably the most beautiful thing ever. And I'll, I'll tell you why they end up rescuing the girl from the hags. They end up defeating the hags. They're taking her way back to her or taking her back to the village that she's from. And she starts turning into this creature. Right. But I sort of made it a, a slow, long process. They could tell it was happening and it would be a day before she turned. So I think one of them had, some sort of reality-altering reality ability. I believe I had given them a deck of many things, and one of them drew the card, right, that lets yep. you do that. And so they wished for, at this point, they had sort of grown rather attached to Alma, and she had been sort of learning from them, and they had been RPing with her so much at their little fire camp sessions and whatnot. Oh, so they opted to spend that wish to revert her transformation so that she could grow up to be a real person and not a night hag, right? And that was touching in and of itself, mm. but then it got real crazy. They ended up fighting in one section of the Feywild many, many sessions later, a shadow dragon. And uh, Alma, rather stupidly, because they, they loved her, but they kept forgetting to like help control her token, um, was kind of in the front <laughs> of the party, so she took the brunt of this shadowy flame that instantly killed her because it, oh. it rolled massive damage. And I described her body as disappearing. They ended up actually TPKing to that dragon. It was, I, I had built it oh, wow. almost with that in mind to transport them mm. to the Shadowfell for a sort of dichotomous uh, episodes in the Shadowfell, whereas they were previously in the Feywild. And when they got there, um, freshly dead, they knew that they had to make their way to the sanctum of the Raven Queen in order to sort of beg the Raven Queen to send them back to the Feywild, to give them back their souls and their, their lives so that they could have a chance at stopping whatever was going on with the Feywild. Also because the Raven Queen was sort of the parallel of the other goddess that they needed to get a special gem from in the Feywild, et cetera, et cetera. Epic. Yeah, but here's the thing with Alma. They couldn't find any sign of her 
even though they she had sort of suffered the same fate just a little oh, bit no. earlier from them. But it turns out that there was a sort of time loop. Alma had been transported to the Shadowfell, even though it had been only seconds for the party, seven years prior for her. So she had been lost and wandering in the Shadowfell, feeling abandoned by the party. This was also me kind of like turning the screw on the party, saying like, you need to start remembering her fucking tokens, guys. (laughs) Um, Sorry, I don't know if we're PG or not. This will teach them. This will teach them. (laughs) So so I had had this idea that she grew up into her late teen years. She's now like an 18-year-old or whatever, almost a 20-year-old girl. And she had been sort of adopted by the Raven Queen and turned into her most fanatical servant and was looking for revenge on the party. And I built this chef's kiss, beautiful stat block, (laughs) this like weird ass combo of uh, special Shatter Kai stuff from, you know, whatever book that came out in, Morton Cannons or, or Volos, plus Warlock levels and stuff like this. And when they got to the Raven Queen's palace after a few sessions, Uh, And they found Alma. Alma was bitter and angry and purely fanatical about serving the Raven Queen now. That was her sort of adopted mother and was screaming at them that they had abandoned her. And the party, so I was expecting a fight, and the party refused to fight her. I had them roll initiative, and everyone for their turns either just cast defensive spells or healing abilities and, and or rolled persuasion checks. The barbarian the mimic guy, the guy who was like, well, I make the mimic, stick to my weapon, was rolling persuasion checks, calling her little one, trying to get uh... to the core of her issues. And every round, I had her exhibit a different emotion, right? First, it was impassioned fanatical devotion to the Raven Queen. Then it was fury and rage that they'd abandoned her. Then it was emotional breakdown and crying and loss because they she felt so so tortured and through a weird twist of events and i know the story has already gone on too long so i'll, I'll no 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 it. you carry carry on man carry on she she gave up the fight she saw the light she said i'll help you i'll help you with the raven queen but the only way that they could get what they needed from this queen was for someone to take her place and that was all that the Raven Queen wants. Yes, well, I'll restore you back to life, but I am tired of this life. I'm tired of being a transient being. I want to just die like all the souls that I send on to their afterlives. I want someone to take my place. And before they could stop her, Alma volunteered. And so Alma became the new Raven Queen. And <laughs> my players... Nice. The one thing that they the, the sort of Raven Queen lore is about is that you don't know her real name. So my players all forgot Alma's real name. They just now remember their experiences with her, and now there's a Raven Queen. They can't quite put the two things together. But we continued Great. playing on long after that campaign ended, and one of them or two of them still had sort of special relationships with the Raven Queen, and even one of them had the sort of could cast sending at will so they could stay in touch with them every day and stuff like that. It was honestly the most epic, beautiful sort of character yeah. development story, and just something goes to show that my, my power-hungry, crit-heavy party just wanted this girl back in their lives oh you know? wow yeah it was really cool that's fantastic yeah yeah that's... But, um i i'm telling you i got stories like that up the wazoo especially with wow. the teens 
they they do that every week. Things <laughs> <laughs> really every week. That's what happens. Their 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 sheer amount of chaos speaks for itself. Yeah, they'll oh, craft their own stories. Anyway, I've sorry for a, eating up so much time. I've got no, a scenario no, no, that no, I used no, to. No, that's that's great. That's wonderful. Yeah. So I'm, I've got uh, a scenario. Oh, sorry, Rob. Sorry. No, go on. No, no. I was just going to say. I was going to say. I was maybe going to share one of mine, but actually, uh, I don't really know how you can top that. To be honest. No, no, no. Please, Rob. Please, <laughs> please share. I want. I'd love to. There were some guys in a fight once, and they managed to change a dragon uh, into a man. <laughs> That's cool. And the end. <laughs> That's really cool. I love that. That's basically oh. it. <laughs> I was going to say I've got oh, a, cool, I've got a scenario that I like a, a really quick one that I run to sort of gauge how likely players are to just try and murder their way through everything, and wow, it's okay. um, I have a, a baby owl bear caught in a in a bear trap they encounter in the woods, uh, and its very aggressive mother is there uh, defending it, and if they try to free the owl bear, I know I can get away with some more thought out story. Beats, <laughs> and if oh, they okay, just immediately yes. murder the owl bear, I'm like, okay, well, I need to take this into account. They're going to kill everything that I throw that's, at them. That's cause... a good test. The owl bear yeah. test. I like that. You te- you if they'll test kill the cute baby owl bear, yeah, exactly. Test the moral compass. If they kill the cute baby owl bear, then okay, this is going to be combat heavy. <laughs> <laughs> I I love that you and I are cut from the same cloth because my very so just like you, I was running a few in person sessions before the pandemic hit, and I think the the second session I ever had with that um, Ashen Throne campaign was a baby owlbear session. They they basically were camping in the woods. They're level two or whatever. And they get attacked by a, a hungrier rabbit owlbear. And when they put it down, they hear a... You know, sort of sound from nearby. And they go and investigate. And they see the little owlbear kind of like pushing its beak up against the mom. And that gives them an owlbear pet. Or, you know, they abandon it. And then that's sort of my cage for the morality of the mm. of the group and what they want to do and how the players get get together. So, uh, of course, test. the teens have since adopted it and it's called Fluffles. And three years later, it's still in our game. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I think, I think the, the one, the name that stands up for me is Boof. And they, so they're called the big one Boof. Uh, the big, big Albert, the mommy Albert was Boof. And then the baby Albert was Boof Jr. Booth Junior. Junior. I love that. That's <laughs> great. That's great. Yeah, brilliant. Cool. Well, um, great. Well, I think that kind of rounds up our, uh, our little podcast pretty much. I think, uh, James, you've got some news you want to share with everyone, haven't you, from the the um, tabletop yes. RPG world? Yes, indeed. So um, obviously we're, we're a little behind here, um, as this is the first episode of the podcast. So I thought I'd run through the some of the upcoming D&D um, uh, books that are coming out. So we've got um, Bigby Presents Glory of the Giants, which is coming out, which is um, very similar to the Fizzband's Treasury of of Dragons that's already come out, which is a great book, if only for the Elder Brain Dragon, which I loved so much, I immediately went and bought a model for it so I could use it in person and online. (laughs) Just the first thing I did after reading about it was like, well, I'm working this into everything. Um, (laughs) Do you guys ever use giants in your stories? Very rarely, actually. So I'm mm. interested to see if there's something cool I could do with it. I've never run the Storm King's Thunder Adventure. Thunder. I've, that was I've heard my it's very first 5e adventure, Storm King's Very Thunder. sort of DM intensive adding and working yeah. around it. It doesn't yeah. walk yep. you through it very Definitely. clearly. 
Um, a, lot of, a, lot of, I, a, lot, a lot of people who have started playing D D, sort of friends of mine, they've used, they've tried the uh, Storm King Funder first, and I was like, oh, you shouldn't have picked that one. That's a, uh, it's a very complex, like you say, it's heavy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's a I, lot of weight that you have to pull. But um, to answer your question, yeah, I do. I, I have used giants. I'd love to use them more because I thought that they were done a little bit of a disservice in five E, and um, I've used mostly stone giants because i think their lore is really cool they basically see everything in the real world outside of their rock caves as a dream because everything is always moving like trees and wind and stuff so Hmm. they think everything's a dream so i've used some stone giants and a couple of cloud giants but that's really it i would love to delve in more what what you were just saying there about the about not being a very good adventure to um sort of kick off as a a, as a first-time dm or player i'd imagine um i've like you said before i've just run um keys from the golden vault and i think that is an absolutely perfect first time adventure for yeah. for people coming to D. just because it's all the scenarios are, are individual but it's very very easy to string them together if you need to and then go up the levels but because it's something that most people are sort of very familiar with heists um it's very easy to to buy in and also stop sort of what can happen with D&D where it's all very combat heavy and people go into it thinking about combat. Whereas in most of the scenarios, combat's the last thing you want. Like you're outmatched. It's a heist. Yeah. So you get, it's easier, I think, to get new players and players to, who haven't really done a lot of role play before to engage in role play because they have this sort of base knowledge from all the heist films they've ever watched to sort of bring to the game whatever character they're playing really like they they sort of know okay so we don't want to get caught um we're stealing stuff from a vault it's going to be trip mine trip lasers and and things and they sort of know what to expect to a certain degree so they can plan around it i think it's i think it's great i've i've seen players who have come from games where there's a lot of combat into it and suddenly they're role playing like i've never seen them role play before and it's it's awesome but yeah, cool. I would I would highly recommend it. If, even if you've got players who hit first, ask questions later, mm. um, just like run, uh, like even as just like a one shot to see if they take to it in a way that they they haven't to other adventures to see if it sort of brings out that role playingness. Because it might then transfer into other adventures. I'll uh, I'll know when I transition from them to to, an, to like another story. But yeah, mm. I think that's I think it's very cool. Um, so that's that's just that's released yes. not too long ago because um, yeah. Yeah. I've only ago. just come to the end of it and I ran it almost imme- immediately after it came out. <laughs> nice. yeah. I noticed that it was like being advertised. Mm. I was like, "Is the book even out yet?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> so did you, like a, did you feel like there's another story to be told after that book? With the uh, well, to be fair, I've I got through an eight week campaign and I've only used half the scenarios in it. Okay. So, because I'd, I'd say like uh, four heists, and I think there's, well, there might even be 12 heists. I might even only have got a third you, way through right it. Um, <laughs> okay, great. Is there like a through um, line story that you're following? No. So there's not a through line story, but it, I found it very easy to make one. Um, just whatever MacGuffins you're getting from each one, you can, mm. you could tie those together. Or um, the way the book's up is it's sort of you're working for, the the golden vault which is this good aligned um silver dragon owned treasure hoard and they're trying to make sure that the tre- treasures are put where they're 
where they're belonging. And like one of the heists, a casino heist, and what the information they give you in the book is that someone's come to you because they were essentially screwed over for tens of thousands of gold by this guy and he's opening a casino and they want you to break in, rob that him, embarrass like him in front of everyone. <laughs> so that's, uh, <laughs> yeah. Alex, if you're listening, that's you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Great. Yeah. So yeah, but yeah, um, I definitely, definitely highly recommend that. Yeah. By my account, by the way, I just cracked open the table of contents. It looks like there's 13, uh, from the golden vault adventures okay so i'm a th- i'm a third i've done, done a third of them um so about two yeah two sessions per high so one like a planning session uh, and like a recon uh session then one actually undertaking the heist yeah that's, that sounds about right yeah uh so cool. yes so realistically i suppose yeah you get get three three full campaigns out of it if you're doing one four hour weekly session so you can you you get your 24 24 weeks of adventure out of it that's if you don't add anything especially new to it either okay great and there's another book coming out as well isn't there uh two we've got two others uh, i think this this year um so we've got a new fandelver campaign that's like an expansion for the uh the initial like the starter Hmm. yeah the lost mines um which um apparently that is uh focusing on these obelisks that have been appearing in D&D books since um out of the abyss yeah. Um, so they've been oh. seeding it a lot. It's in uh, Tomb, of the Anni- Tomb of Annihilation. It's in Out of the Abyss. It's in uh, Icewind Dale, Rhyme of the Frostman. Yes. It's, yeah, they keep showing up and they're like, mm-hmm. we'll tell you what like there's means. Vecna's involved, I believe. Um, Great. Love Vecna. So, yeah. They released them like a Vecna dossier on D and D Beyond. They did. Uh, yeah. So I got the the snap block for Vecna and stuff, and there was like an adventure with Vecna's tower in, but that's disappeared, and I'm devastated. Really? I think, oh, yeah, th- there was. Um, oh, so no. I, that, I've I've lost that. I think it was like a temporary time or anything. I think what I did on my uh, phone is I screenshotted it all. The problem is I <laughs> I screenshot so many things on my phone that yeah, it's now yeah, yeah. Find it, it's right. lost <laughs> in last year's stuff. Oh, all, yeah, amongst all like tickets to shows and stuff that i i now don't need anymore but haven't gone back to delete um oh man yeah, yeah. um so sorry with the rhyme like you say the, with rhyme of the frost maiden these obelisks uh appear um and there's some time and space manipulation with them um cool. which it's scary for vector to want to use but also the other book that's coming out is planescape and people are thinking oh, yeah. that maybe these obelisks are gonna feed into how Planescape gets kicked off as well. Okay, um, that, that would be sick. Yeah, if they yeah. if they do it justice, if they they go the route of Spelljammer and and you know, it'll it'll leave a lot to be desired. I have a feeling it'll divide the community a bit. They are they are <laughs> doing it in the same way as yeah. the Spelljammer books. Or are they doing like three, a three book thing? The three book uh, thing, interesting. Which okay, like it's good because it needs. It sure. needs three books worth of stuff to to get running, dude. You um, give me another book of monsters in it, I will buy that. I'm always yeah. happy to see totally. more stat blocks. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, the- sorry, yeah. So then you've got also Baldur's Gate three coming out, haven't you? In the yes, August. I think August. It is. August, the, like yeah, just before my birthday. So I <laughs> allegedly, <laughs> hey, yeah. Hey. <laughs> yeah, they've um they've announced some 
new voice actors for the for the villains recently. Great. So Jason Isaacs is coming in oh, as. Oh, I love Jason Isaacs. What? Okay. Hear me out a second. Hear me out a second. Right. I always thought Jason Isaacs should have played Bond. Oh, a hundred percent. Oh, he made a good Bond. Fantastic. Yeah. Bond. He does the voice on the audiobooks for the original books. You're kidding? Oh no way! Oh, really? No, no he does the voice. Yeah, yeah. He does the voice for Thunderball, I believe, and oh, um, Casino Royale. Yes. He would have been an excellent Bond. Excellent I've got two Bond. audible credits. I think I know where they're going. Um. <laughs> yeah, right. He's he's superb. He is superb. Wow, oh, I haven't read exciting. those books in years. I well, would love to hear him do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he well, was. he's joining J.K. Simmons, who's the other yep. um, antagonist. Yeah, I saw J.K. That. Simmons as well. I, yeah. I saw a bit of that clip, and I was like, <laughs> just started voice acting, leaking out a bit. Fantastic. Who's J.K. Simmons playing? Um, One of the villains. General Catherick Thorne. Of course, uh, he I is. believe. Of course, Good he job, is. James. Nice. He's Thank all, you. He's all over generals, isn't he? He loves being a general. <laughs> Yeah, so <laughs> so good. So many generals. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So I, there's apparently there's some information on him already in the game that you can find in the what's released of Baldur's Gate already. So he was or is a follower of Shah. Yeah. Um, okay. But there's there's Great not a whole yeah. load of information. Gortash is creating these steel defender type um, mm. automatons that are seen wandering about Baldur's Gate. Um, he seems from what the small trailer that they released and he's an antagonist certainly by the looks of it but he seems to be slightly more friendly than uh, yeah. jk he's simmons got that uh, beard, right no, like that's it JK yeah he's, he's yeah he's got the shifty wizard beard yeah <laughs> <laughs> shifty TM. wizard beard Sh- shifty wizard beard tm <laughs> yeah <laughs> do you, have you guys have you uh, have either of you played the um the beta for yes. yeah no because I have a PlayStation and not a PC good enough to, oh, I, to run I, I, it. So I'm, I, I'm wait- I didn't have a PC good enough to run it and I got it anyway and I tried. <laughs> but it was, yeah, I did. I did. It was it was really good fun. I, I think I stopped playing just as they introduced the Druid class, which not not because of Druid, but just because of life. Um, but they've since added a whole bunch of stuff. I think they added uh, Barbarian and a couple of others after that into the beta. And um, I've always been meaning to go back, but at this point I'll just wait for the full release. Yeah, great. I think that's great. Yeah, yeah I'm so glad as well. So glad I've got a release the, date, so honestly, I can now. I think one of wham. the unsung things about the game, so so it would seem so far. Um, yeah, of course, it divides a lot of the community because it's not like the original Baldur's Gate games, but the 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 lore alone, just seeing so much come to life yeah. from things you've read in on a page, and 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 through many many forgotten realms articles on fandom.com just seeing all that come to life and and really craft like well implemented really well crafted and well implemented yeah i thought i felt so, that way i felt that so, way about the movie as well i thought yeah, the movie yeah, was a, the movie honestly. was like a love was a, it's like a love letter wasn't it to the yeah. to, to the game to, to the, the realms really. but it also yeah. had something for people that didn't play dnd you know it was enjoyable mm. by people who were just like what is this movie chris pine i'll go see it whatever right and it was fun it hit all the right notes for me anyway so. Yeah, yeah, it was like a fantasy yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy almost. Exactly. That sort of like exactly that, that vibe. That's all they needed. Can't wait which is the vibe of a lot of my games, to be fair. So it's not <laughs> like Soft totally for inaccurate. And his, yeah, uh, absolutely, absolutely, and his shirtless games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. You know, you I, I start charging I felt... a premium. You know. <clears throat> yeah, 
I felt that way when Guardians of the Galaxy first when I first saw it. I thought this is this is this is D and D. D and D in space. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It just felt like D and D. Yep. Amazing. So um also there's some new there's some new tabletop RPGs coming out, isn't there? Yes. So uh, I think recently um at a con in the US whose name I have forgotten, but I've read about it. Um so there was a um a pen and paper solo RPG called Thousand Year Vampire. <gasps> yes. My brother has been banging on about this for probably since I'd say probably the last two years. He's got it. And he absolutely loves it. Like he says, it's, it's a solo RPG. You sit down, pen and paper, and you basically build your own vampire. And you cool. have a whole lore about who you are, where you've been, all this kind of stuff. And, and the best yeah. thing about it as well, best thing about it as well, is that it apparently it's the vampires from, although they haven't got like the license for this, it's it's the vampire more towards the Anne Rice type of vampire and uh, not like the Twilight vampire. So, you know, sure, not, they don't course. shine in the sun and they, they don't get like weaker as they get older. They don't glitter. They get more powerful as oh. they get, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They get more powerful as they get older. But no, sorry, sorry, carry on, James. Uh, yes. So, um, yeah, it's it's great. And the book, you so it comes to the book and a PDF so you can write online if you if you want to make your notes on the, on the computer rather than pen and paper. Um but the book's gorgeous, um, and obviously this is an audio podcast, so I can't show you. But if there is there is a YouTube channel called Sharp and Sit Down who do board game reviews, and they've reviewed it, and then they show a lot of the pages from it. So if you want to have a look at it to to see how beautiful it is, that's exciting. Absolutely, go and check that out. Um, so yeah, essentially you you make notes, but um, there's only a certain number of memories that your vampire can retain. So as you go through the story, you have to choose which memories you lose and which you keep and, and carry on. So by the time you get to the end, you're only, yeah, you can only draw on the stuff that you've elected to keep. Um, So So the reason why I'm bringing this up, because obviously solo RPGs, very, very cool. But obviously for for Roldark, we can't run solo RPGs for you guys. What we can do now is that they have made a, they are releasing a collaborative version called 500 Year Vampire, where essentially um, it is structured as like, um, members of like a vampire coven um, coming together every hundred fifty years, however long the the, the game tells you wow. uh, between sessions, and you exchange stories um, to sort of. And what you also do is apparently they're gonna, they're releasing a deck of cards with it, where oh, yeah, you take that. a card. This is your scenario for the next before the next meetup and session, but you have to choose one to give to someone else. So this is something that happens to you then you have to, to journal base uh, based off that. Um, Incredible. So it, it sounds great. I think if you, it's not going to be one where you sit down for, for a very long time, but exchanging the stories you've all written, I think would be, it's a very cool mechanic to then have to go away, either forget what you've been, t- some of what you've been told yeah. to come back before the next session and role play. So, Oh no, I, I had no idea that you were married to this, this man. I, that's I, I think I may have accidentally murdered him. Um, <laughs> oh, man. That was that your that was your hometown. They they've been entirely drained of their plasma. Uh, apologies. Um, oh, fantastic! Yeah, I hope you See, weren't too this, attached to the area. <laughs> this is where I I start to ask. You know, Robert, I think you're under the impression that this is going to be more of a you know Anne Rice type vampire story, and I'm like, yeah, but how quickly until 
when it becomes a collaborative effort and you can play with players, does it become a what we do in the shadows sort of story? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. This is my wife. Oh, I've forgotten you and my wife. <laughs> uh, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, I've never, I've never played Vampire the Masquerade. Have you guys ever played that? Yeah, no, I've a couple of sessions. I'll defer to JC, yeah. Uh, believe it or not, I got into it because a friend of mine, uh, actually a, a player of mine through Rolldark, uh, Meg, she talked about playing it quite a fair bit. So I was like, I, I should check it out. And I sat in on a couple of sessions. And it is it is a blast. It's very, though at least the, the DM I had or the GM I had was very um, sort of dystopian. And we were playing in a kind of almost like a Blade Runner-esque version of earth um wow. without without the robots obviously without the the I'll almost called them decepticons good lord i'm crossing too many the streams replicants. <laughs> the replicants the replicants um but it was that sort of like you know downtrodden futuristic vibe and yeah nice. uh, you're, you're kind of existing in the underbelly it's also far more political than you think it is right you kind of like oh i just want to live my best blood-sucking dreams and it's like no 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 sorry there's like 14 factions that tell you what you can and can't do and you're this kind of faction and this kind of vampire and this and that it's a lot of fun okay. i've played some of the i've played some of the video games that have released for vampire yes. the masquerade and they're, and they're they're very fun what yes that, like yeah bloodlines or bloodlines 2 or oh, whatever it was coteries back. of new york i think that, was oh one nice. of them yeah yeah, yeah. I may have said that I watched wrong, a but... lot of Let's Play <laughs> back in the day. It's good fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's horror themed RPGs are are very very cool. It's yeah. interesting it's to have to try and build that like fear and sense of yeah. dread. Yeah, and some do it yeah, better than right. others. Cool, great. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast, guys. It's been uh, it's been epic. Great to have, um, great to have you both, and also, yeah, I mean, we've gone over. We're well, we're one hour nine minutes in, which is pretty good. Boom. Yeah, nice bit of long form podcast. Is that long form podcast? Yeah. I suppose we wouldn't it. I've heard of longer. I've heard of much shorter. I don't know. <laughs> it's uh, something mid hope... mid form podcast. Mid form. <laughs> maybe we've hit the hop. Maybe we've hit the uh, the sweet spot. Perhaps. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Great. Well, yeah. Well, thank you so much, guys, and uh, yeah. Awesome. I suppose I should probably should, pu- should plug Rolldark a little bit at this point. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so what we got coming on at Rolldark? So at the moment, um, in July, late July, we have the GM Academy coming up where you can Ooh. come and train to become a DM or pretty much just sort of polish your DM in skills to make yourself that little bit, give yourself a bit more of an edge. Uh, we're sort of definitely targeting this towards DMs that are maybe stuck in a bit of a rut you think to yourself, you know, I'd like to be a bit more engaged with role playing. Um, maybe your NPCs sound a little bit, or they all sound a bit the same, same. and you want to kind of find a bit like a variation between them. This is an opportunity for you to come and meet with other aspiring DMs and ourselves, professional Rolduck Dungeon Masters. You can come and we can have a chat. We've got like various different talks on, workshops, and there'll also be games in the evening as well. I will be adding a link in the description so you can find that below. We also have uh, two brand new games coming up in uh, July. We've got The Creeping Dread on the 6th of July mm-hmm. and The Bandit King on the 30th of July. Again, there'll be further details for that in the links below as well. And then all the way in November, 
we have the next Rodark Fest, mm-hmm. which, uh, yes, which um, James and JC were both a part of. Now, Rodark Fest is something completely different to what you may very well experience with other um, tabletop role-playing communities. What we're effectively doing is we we hire out a venue that's completely immersive in, in a very sort of typical D&D setting. The last one we did was in a medieval hall. Um, all of the players arrive as their character so you actually dress in cosplay as your character and during your game there are cutscenes which are acted out by your dm and other actors that are there on the day so it's a very immersive experience so for example every table would pretty much be working with each other on their own separate missions and during the day there'll be a cutscene here a cutscene there and it'll be very immersive this one's going to be at Baskerville Hall in Hereford um, it's very much uh, a, a kind of like a 1920s horror-esque type game um, not nowhere near towards sort of like Cthulhu type horror more mm. kind of like Cthulhu sort of bring sort of brought back sort of a couple of notches so it isn't as like horrifically horrible it's going to be more kind of like horror horror comedy i would say yeah yeah yeah, Yeah. for sure yeah exactly so so yeah so more information for that will be in the description as well so yeah so thanks again guys great to have you and uh yeah Hopefully we'll see you guys in the and, next podcast. And, and we're hireable. Oh. So if you want to oh, yes. oh, yeah. <laughs> if you want to play with us, let oh, us yeah. know. Forgot about <laughs> that bit. Yeah, that the main the main the main element of the business. <laughs> yes. Um we have in total 30 dungeon masters that cover the UK and one who is over in New York, who's obviously JC. Yep. You can hire them. On UK time. <laughs> yep. You can hire them to run private one shots for you or even campaigns. And all you need to do is just drop me an email, info at rolldark.co.uk. Um, let us know how many players you have, how long you want to run the game for, and I'll send you over a quote. Simple as that. Or you can go onto our website, you can go onto www.rolldark.co.uk, and then just click on contact and just get quote on the right-hand side. And that's it. Nice one. Thanks a lot, guys. And see you in the next one. Thank you. See you.